It's two redheads, one that went to Texas talking about racing. Yeehaw. Yeehaw. Lone Star State. I'm Jason Schultz along with Andrew Curland. He's the one that went to Texas. <laughs> I'm the one that went to Virginia. I actually saw a sign from Martinsville, so that was the closest I got to a racetrack this weekend. Yeah, good. I'm glad you said our names. We've been lacking on that. No, you've been basically forever. On yeah, I know. I guess you're right. Um, no, Texas was fun. It was kind of cold. Well, cold. I'd say like 60s. That's but, cold. You know, that's, that is. Yeah, right. Okay, we can both agree on that. Um, but it was it was fun. Yeah, it was fun. Um, I will say, every time we go to the SMI tracks, they are so nice and they do so many things right. Like what? So, even just the little things, but you know at some of these ISC tracks where if it's a night race in Victory Lane, you take pictures or video, it's super washed out because of the lights, right? Mm-hmm. Little things at Texas, they have stage lights in Victory Lane. They light Victory Lane up. They've got the fire. It's just, they, you could see they put a little bit more effort into everything and making that fan experience good. They do a good job. That's interesting you say fan experience wise because I would say ISC tracks or NASCAR tracks now have better fan experience with the new fan zones they're doing in the infield and SMIs kind of lacked any upgrades to their facilities in the last decade. Well, NASCAR tracks are going crazy like Phoenix and Dega. So, yeah, even though they've lacked upgrades, I'd still say SMI tracks for the most part, very, very nice. Maybe that's it. I go to them once or twice a year, but every single time it's like, they do a lot of good things right. Even the video board and uh, before both races, they had like people on motorcycles doing tricks on the front stretch for the fans and stuff. It's like it's the little track promoting things that I'm sure Marcus Smith thought of and the rest of the team that they implemented a text that they've done a good job with. For all six people in the grandstands. Yeah, it wasn't the best, but, you know, it, we were splitting f1 and nascar See, that day that i don't think i get that there was definitely some crossover like if i feel like if i was in texas and had i was in between both cities i would choose to go to the f1 race because it's an event exactly. and it's cooler but um texas should do things to make it appealing to go to the nascar race not be a 500 mile snooze fest like do something interesting and people will come f1 it's i don't know why it's appealing but it's pretty appealing right now it's just cool that's why my thing it, it seems cool like it's a cool thing it's a culture thing like that's why i would go in nascar at texas i don't feel any appeal to go well um who was it there was one celebrity that went to the f1 race and they almost completely credited the f1 documentary on netflix yeah. as to why they went so nascar gonna do a comedy series on netflix to make fun of the sport while f1's showing how cool and intricate the sport is nascar really needs to take a lesson about that yeah there, there's a lot of things but um yeah it was good i we were, we were talking right before um one of the funny things couple two i've got two stories for you first one um did a did a game with justin allgaier and i'm like all right ready to go and we like it set up my dad's like are you ready to record and justin's like you wouldn't believe what happened this morning I'm like oh all right you're gonna tell me a story <laughs> he's like and and then he went on this like two minute rant and like he found a crew member he's like come here come here remember this and like they were both going back and forth about how justin lost his sunglasses but just the way justin allgaier he is, I think, my favorite person no, in the he's entire garage. My favorite person in the uh, entire garage. That we're going to start arguing when you, already. When did you meet him? What was the first year you made met him? 2014. Aha! Oh. 
2015. He literally yeah, came and sat down on the golf cart I was on. He's like, hey, what's up? I was like, all right. He's awesome. Yeah. He's I the work best. for his race team. I win. Go ahead. All right, fine. Um, so he was awesome. He was just like describing, trying to find his sunglasses. Um, so, yeah. And then Noah Gregson. You know how Noah Gregson is. He, I saw him on Sunday. So he was there on his own. He was talking to his spotter, Earl Barbin. I see he's wearing a black shirt. And it's a square, pixelated shirt of Earl Barbin, like, from, like, five, ten years ago. And he took a selfie with him, surprised Earl with it. So then we got to talking, and he's, like, he's he was, like, kind of all over the place. He's, like, hey, look over there. I'm like, what? You see that kite? He's, like, for the longest time, then he points over to his right he's like for the longest time i was trying to figure out what that string was i'm like that's where your mind is at i thought that was funny good stuff i'm very surprised i was entertained yesterday but i'm surprised to see the gluck pull so low i I am not surprised to see it so low because i literally i literally thought to myself i'm sitting there on pit road i'm like dang this is gonna be uh, this is gonna be good for the sport. This is gonna be entertaining. It's gonna be fun to watch. And I, I thought it was a good race. Like, and I'm, and I'm frankly, I wasn't even, for the most part, wasn't even because I was there. I was actually watching a lot of it on the big screen. Like, this is actually a good race. You explain before I go into. I'll just disagree with things you say, but you tell me why you think it was a <sighs> yeah, good race. Right. Well, this was the kind well, of race I, that let's I go, think. Let's go one by one so we can debate back and forth. Well, frankly. The only reason I think this was just the race that the package was intended to create. How so? That's the way I saw it. How so? Throughout the race, especially during restarts, people were all over the place, couldn't get out to a big lead. You saw Jimmy Johnson get out there. Then you see Almarola pass, and then Suarez and Almarola's okay. back, and then Harvick's running through the field marching. Like, there's a, there was a lot of passing going on throughout the field. I agree that stuff was cool. The variety of leaders and different guys cycling to the lead. I like that part of it. That, and here's the thing, that was the case. When Harvick got his penalty, was mired back in the pack. When the fastest car is not leading, this package allows cars to stay close, especially when they're battling for the lead. When Harvick was not out front, it was close. Like Jimmy and Almarola, like they were all in Byron at the time. They were all running really close to each other. Man, but it took Harvick until the, the last run to get out there because, I mean, I'm saying, he, but, he drove his way up towards the end of the race. He didn't do that every day well, or else he, he would have dominated the whole afternoon. We're also arguing different things here. I'm not. I'm saying Harvick had the best car, so once he got back to the front, he sailed away, dominated. But when the fast car isn't leading, it stays close. And I like that part of it. That's a good positive of the package. You asked me before the podcast, what do I like about NASCAR right now? When the fastest <laughs> car isn't leading, there's a bunch of cars running well together in front and kind of going so back and forth. So what didn't you like? Keep telling me why you liked it. Because I think I'm just going to disagree with those. I That was basically it. I, I enjoyed the passing. Um, and... One thing that I found was really interesting was watching the playoff picture play out. At one point, you look and you see Larson's only like three out. Like, holy crap, this guy could go to Homestead and and really scare everyone with how good he is. Um, Watching all the issues with Hamlin, seeing if they could try and stay in the lead lap. Um, And then just watching, I think the biggest takeaway besides Harvick winning was watching all these non-playoff drivers lead for such a long time and i'm talking like this wasn't even temporary thing this was for maybe a stage and a half if not longer that is a long time for non-playoff drivers to be dominating the afternoon at one point top nine no top eight drivers non-playoff harvick was the top driver in ninth place that that was interesting to watch i like yeah the variety of 
leaders is great. My, so what didn't you like about it? The race is way too long. Texas I can agree with does that. not need a 500-mile race. I no, get, you're right. Like Eddie Gossage, he's very animated promoter. His constant defending of Texas needing two 500-mile races with the amount of people that come to those races, it's not worth it anymore. We've seen so many tracks like Pocono and Michigan, or maybe not Michigan, Pocono and you know, Dover used to be 500 miles and went down 400. Like seeing tracks cut their lengths to appeal to the you know more modern fan, younger fan, or just today's sports fan where your attention level is smaller, you want to capture people's attention really quickly with a lot of action versus having a 500 mile race where it just drags on and on. And it goes, here's the thing, yeah, a three hour and 40 minute race, like that is no, way that too is long. No, that is too long. You're right. No, I 100% agree so with that. Stuff, and I, like, I frankly think- Moments of good the, racing and good action, but then it strings out for a while and nothing happens. So rather than have the whole race of stringed out moments and then close moments and stringed out moments, how about we just put it all together and the more close moments become more relevant and more take up more of the only, race? Only 500-mile race, well, I guess should be Daytona, and I think Talladega is fine. Yeah. Can't you agree with that? Southern 500, Daytona, Talladega, and then Coke 600, I'm fine with that because that is the race of endurance. Yeah. I know it's kind of a long one to watch, but that's like the big endurance race. You can leave one 600-mile race, but then really after that, I... I don't even think you need 400. I think 400, yeah. you can go down to 300, maybe keep the championship race depending on the length. Well, I guess we're not going Homestead anymore, but I think Homestead's a fine length for 400. But you're right. Shortening race length will ultimately help the sport because you're right. People don't necessarily have the attention span to sit down and watch a race for that long. The Xfinity race at Homestead is the best race of the three championship races every year and that's the 300 mile race that would be perfect for the homestead championship race yeah yeah i can agree with that yesterday during the race um i keep getting these texts from you pod topic because that's what we call it um because bj1 shouldn't be used at any of these racetracks right so all right let's let's do this back and forth again why don't you feel pj1 why was pj1 not good for yesterday Yesterday, it was not good because it was not applied properly. They didn't prep the track well. And that isn't just Jason saying that. I'm going to read you a quote. Okay, so I think this is another case of us arguing the same thing because um, the quote I got reiterates that point, too. And I'm going to play my quote in a minute. And literally, this argument that we had over text yesterday inspired some of my questioning in Victory Lane. I'm glad um, I'm your inspiration. Well, no, it's, it was mainly just to be like, oh, man, I'm going to counter Jason so hard. He's going to turn around his whole thought process. All right. Kurt Busch said, they don't need to spray it heavy before the race starts. Here's another point Brett Griffin brought up on DBC today. The track thinks they're geniuses with this PJ whatever stuff. They think they're so smart about it. They apparently went overnight Saturday night, reapplied it, made, put it lower on the track, and then didn't tell the drivers. Can you imagine going on a racing surf or playing surface, no matter what it is, and there was a substance put down in a different spot and you weren't prepared for it? You like you practice on this one track all weekend, and then all of a sudden you get to the race and it's totally different. Like 
that was not, and drivers were all caught off guard, and that's why there were so many wrecks in the first stage, because it was applied differently overnight and changed the entire track. Kurt Busch said it did have to be applied heavy before the race starts. That just throws away everybody's setups, and it's too inconsistent to start with too many guys having trouble that are in quality cars. It wasn't just like random cars wrecking. It was Chase Elliott, Denny Hamlin, these good drivers, Keselowski, Stenhouse, who was really fast. They were having yeah. problems because the track misapplied, like, applied it wrong, and and they think they're so smart thing this is so the racing, i think but it's not. i think we have a problem with two different things i think you've got a problem with the track whereas i'm defending pj1 in its core principle because in general pj1 is a good thing that's happened this year i disagree bristol wow. it's only Why? good at bristol because okay. you do not need to artificially impact the track surface the track surface and the racing should be quality enough where you don't need to spray sticky drivers, stuff on the track to give them grip they they're thinking the tires should be good enough for multiple grooves okay Tire, it should naturally drivers, happen it should not okay need, but you sometimes okay you look at and and a prime example is actually texas and you look at kentucky which gets better every year as the track ages but when you go through these repaves you're not gonna have multiple grooves like it's just something that doesn't happen when that surface is that new in terms of texas that did a complete repave and reconfiguration of the track it's just not gonna happen it was going to be one groove without the pj1 but we had multiple grooves because of it you have to admit that how about this let's just have ronnie childers tell you i get i don't disagree with that the repaves make it one lane here's the other thing the track should have been done a better job with the repave they've seen for a decade how repaves have ruined racing they should have been smarter when repaving the track instead of reconfiguring the first two turns which i heard yeah uh, we won't you don't have to say his name but an xfinity driver told you that texas used to be his favorite track to go to now it's his least favorite because texas ruined itself with this reconfiguration trying to be different trying to change things up and make the racing better when in fact they ruined the racetrack in its entirety like making stupid decisions like that that have completely are going to set texas up for disaster for a decade because the racing's going to be so bad like that was not a smart move and that's what led us to where we are today desperately trying to um artificially change the racing surface to make racing better and it's just not not going to work yeah so my point with the repave is or not the repave but this pj1 is yes i can agree bad decisions were made i love the old texas and yes i can agree the package isn't exactly what we wanted it to be or expected it to be this amen season. yes amen they they made mistakes sure hallelujah but, but there's only so much you can do right now and right now the best solution is pj1 so would you rather NASCAR just sit on their hands, do nothing? This is what we got. We're not going to try and do anything about it. They are putting the PJ1 to try and prove the racing. Here's what Ronnie Childers said after the race because he will he I we both agree. And I think the big the big key here is Dale Jr was very critical of it in the beginning of the race. He's like, "I wouldn't go up there." And you texted me that. Like even Jr wouldn't go up there. But what you probably didn't hear or what you won't admit you heard was later on the race, he said that drivers activated the pj1 and once the pj1 was activated you were able to run up there so it's a difference between the pj1 not having rubber laid down on it versus having it laid down ronnie childers talks a little bit about that with the tire dragon and most of it most of the trouble probably wasn't pj1 itself but it was the track doing it so here's what ronnie childers had to say storyline about the texas race today how'd you kind of see it play out and work out on track 
Yeah, I mean, the PJ won it, you know, without it, there wouldn't be much of a race. It would be one lane. So, obviously, they've done a really good job with that stuff. Um, but the, the bad part of it is it, it's just slick at the beginning of the race. It's kind of gla- uh, glazed over, and uh, they respray it, and, and you know, you use the tire dragon to, to try to get it going. But, um, you know, even though they do all that hard work, it, it takes a while in the race to get it going. I hate to see some guys get tore up trying it, but those same guys that try it end up helping all the rest of us later in the race. So, um, you know, it was a, uh, it was interesting to see it come in. Uh, once it came in, it seemed like our car was actually better up there. So, um, you know, thankful that it all worked out. All right. Do you think Roddy Childers is going to bash the race after winning it to advance to Homestead? He, he literally admitted, and he listed the pros and cons in that. That doesn't mean he agrees with it. He's just saying that. I asked him how it worked out. He doesn't have to be. I asked him how the pj1 worked out for the car and he admitted beginning of the race didn't work out for anyone too slick they resprayed it tire dragon didn't work as it wanted people crash and that sucked he literally that, that's basically what he said but then he said as it got more activated as the rubber was laid down higher and higher on the track our car was able to go up there and actually ran better running the pj1 creating multiple groove racing and he literally said if we didn't have the pj1 it would have been one lane one lane at texas how about here's a solution to all this stuff that's happened in the last couple of years that we haven't talked about much, but Brent and TJ bring up a lot. Goodyear is making a terrible tire for nearly every racetrack, including the mile and a half. If they made a good enough tire that had fall off and laid rubber down well, drivers could, I don't, th- I truthfully think, and they've said this, that the drivers could lay down rubber across the whole track and they could make the racing better with a better tire. But Goodyear does not have a good tire, so tracks are trying to make up for the lack of um, grip and rubber the tire's putting down with this track tire dragging stuff, with this PJ1 stuff, and the track ruined itself with its surface. But a good tire would solve these problems and would not and we wouldn't need the pj1 how about we solve problem like that's a long term the pj1 you think we're gonna spray that stuff on the track for 30 years but if goodyear made a good no you're right if goodyear made a good tire it would solve that problem but what i'm talking about is the pj1 for this season this tire this package right now works and is good and i'm not saying i'm not advocating hey let's use pj1 for the rest of our lives because ultimately the goal would be that you have the right tire you have the right track and you have the right package that works. And that's the problem. And that's the tricky part. It's, I don't think really anyone has an answer to finding the perfect marriage between all three of those moving components, which is the toughest part. And, I mean, there's there's a lot of smart people at NASCAR trying to figure that out right now. And I think we're just in the building blocks of trying to figure that out. You know what's really great? That here we are going to the semifinal race of the season. And what are we talking about? sticky traction compound on the race track. let's move on you're right let's move on uh kevin harvick but you're right i was wrong he's going to homestead um dominant he, he's been so good for months and months now and then he just proved yeah. it he's he he's good at texas and um one thing that i found was interesting i asked i asked this christopher bell who's who won on um saturday advancing himself to miami but Christopher Bell, I'm like, what does it pose any advantage that you are one week ahead of the rest of the competition? And this probably goes the same for Truex. Or not probably. It does go the same for Truex and Harvick. But 
they have an extra week or for Truex, two weeks to work on your homestead car. They could care less about Phoenix. That's what's so cool is you've got the rest of the field, two drivers in cup that still need to make it, and then three drivers in the Xfinity series that need to make it. And I think trucks is wide open, right? There's four spots available in the truck series, which is crazy. Go, Roscoe. Um, who have to focus on Phoenix before they get in Miami. And these teams already have way ahead of advantage. So, I mean, you look at this right now. With Hamlin that far below the cut line, they're going to be all hands on deck for Phoenix, obviously. But, man, I, I really do see this really after Texas putting Truex and Harvick as the favorites. And I know they're the only two in there right now, but whoever else is in, they're going to be one week behind the 19 and the four car at Homestead. So you're saying Kevin Harvick and Martin Truex Jr. have an advantage in the championship four because they won already in this round. It helps. Both of them have won championships before under this format. In 2014, Kevin Harvick won. 2017, Martin Truex won. Did they win a race before that in the round of eight to get there? 2016, Jimmy Johnson won at Martinsville. 2018, Joey Logano won at Martinsville. I'm not talking Went on to about win the them. championship. I'm talking about Martin Truex Jr. and Kevin Harvick. I'm just countering with that stat, too. I'm saying Martin Truex Jr. and Kevin Harvick did not win a race in the round of eight to get themselves to Homestead and then went on and win the championship. They both point, got through on points. Actually, Harvick in 2014 won the Phoenix race, the one before it, so you don't really have any advantage there. So, And then last year, or I'd say the last two years, Kevin Harvick has won Texas, gone on the championship four, and didn't win. So... This Harvick year, won Texas year, last year, year had to race his way in through Phoenix because of the penalty. True. That's a good point. Forget about that. But yep. for, you know, a couple days, they thought that, hey, we're good. We're solid. We're in. I, all right. Here's the other thing Harvick said in his post-race interview. They have been prepping this car for weeks already. It's not like they're going to start doing anything different now. Every team that's has a chance to get to the championship four has been working on their car for maybe a month already. It's not winning a race like there's no Listen, advantage all I'm to saying, race all races. I'm saying is that's what I asked Bell and that was the answer he gave me I said does it play any advantage to be a week ahead of the competition going to Homestead do you want I can play you his answer if no, you want right. um that's that's literally what he said is we can focus completely all hands on deck for Homestead might not even be a physical car thing but just for the team to get into championship mode that's it but Kyle Busch pretty much already assumes he's going to be in Homestead if he does well at Phoenix. I don't think it's safe to say anyone can assume that way. Denny Hamlin took a 44-point swing at Texas. I don't think he was expecting that. I'm not that. talking if about anything, Texas. I'm talking about Phoenix. Kyle Busch. A- what's different points-wise? What different? What's the difference between them racing? Okay, say Logano doesn't win Martinsville last year. Rex at Phoenix. He probably was okay on points because let's just assume he finished second. Let's say Truex won Martinsville. He ended up getting the extra inch on Logano. Logano's probably fine going into Phoenix. Rex, he's out. He was above the cut line. He was out. Hamlin was plus. Hamlin was plus twenty three going into Texas. And if we read the points. Let's let's look at this. Yeah, Kyle Busch uh, plus twenty two going into Phoenix. He Rex. He's out just like Hamlin is right now. You're twisting this into something that's different. All I'm saying I don't is that so. there is no extra advantage to already being locked into Homestead, going to Phoenix. Everyone's going to be pretty even going to Miami. It's going to be, there's no advantage, like no mental advantage. And it has only worked twice. Only twice has it paid off to win one of the first two races in the round of eight 
going to Miami and win the championship. The rest of the years, 2014, 2015, 2017, it's all hasn't mattered. It's a total, It's I don't think it has any advantage. Like there's no stroke of luck that you get by winning a first two race. It's going to be, everyone goes to Miami, even playing field. Whoever comes out on top then wins. I don't think there's any ad- extra advantage to winning now. Well, Christopher Bell disagrees. Let's look at the he points. Wrong. Martin Truex Jr., Kevin Harvick in, Kyle Busch plus 20, Logano plus, wait, Kyle Busch plus 22, Logano plus 20, Hamlin minus 20, Ryan Blaney minus 23, Larson minus 23, Chase Elliott minus 78 in a mathematical must-win situation. One thing that I found was interesting, um, I think it was Bob Pockris who asked this to Denny Hamlin after the race, or not Denny Hamlin, um, to Kevin Harvick after the race, but he's like, you guys were in this situation in 2014, being below the cut line like what's that like going into phoenix knowing that you were kind of the favorite all year and harvick's like well we went to phoenix and i know i know what you're gonna say phoenix is kevin harvick's racetrack he's very good there but nonetheless harvick backs against the wall went into phoenix won the race advanced the championship won the championship do you think hamlin who's in this situation he's kind of been storyline is the favorite all season long minus 20 going to phoenix do you think he can race his way in I'll say no. I just don't. I think Logano's good, but Logano's average finish actually at um, Phoenix is trash. So he could struggle a little bit more. But like you don't, I don't see him running so poorly that Hamlin gets gains all those points unless Hamlin right. wins. No, unless I he think I think Hamlin would have to win. Yeah, it's a must-win scenario. Man, I don't, I don't even know if he can because really we haven't really talked much about Denny Hamlin and Phoenix. Like that's not really yeah. a conversation you know that what's you think about. Interesting. The current top four in the championship four were the championship Are four last year. Are the same last as last year. year. Um, you remember back in early days, the glory days of the championship four, 2014, 2015, 2016, when we would have a variety of different guys each season, it wasn't just so predictable where we're having the same crop of guys succeed in this format. And it's because these same crop of guys has all these playoff points going in the playoffs in the round of eight. They're set. They pretty much can control their own destiny going to championship four. It's the same group of guys every year. I miss the days where Jeff Gordon wins Martinsville by chance and not the best all year, but won that race, got to the championship four that year. That was such an exciting storyline to see him in it. And even though he wasn't the best car, but it was just cool to see him in it. I think it might have been that same year, Martin Truex Jr., before he turned into the Martin Truex Jr. that was the champion contender in 2016-2017, made the championship four. Like, that small team, you know, Furniture Row, making it all the way. That was such a cool story. 2014, Ryan Newman coming within a half a second of the championship and a win. Like, winning the last race of the year is only win to win the championship. Like, those stories are awesome. But now, under this current playoff points format with the championship four, it takes away that exciting, like, random chance that, you know, this year would be if, I would say, if a Kyle Larson or Ryan Blaney got in, that would be a pretty big surprise because they have not been good all year, have come alive but pretty much for in the them playoffs. to start already at a death, uh, you know, yeah. behind, yeah, I agree. If it was an even playing field to go into it, I feel like they would have a really good chance at making the championship four. I, playoff points need to get thrown out and never talked about again. They are ruining the playoff, the excitement that I felt from the playoffs in the first couple of years under this format. Yeah. Um, it's not uh, man, it's predictable. I, it's totally predictable. I came, I, I had both of those questions prepared for Eric Jones and Byron this past weekend. I just forgot to get to them. So I'll ask, I'll ask Kurt Busch or Bowman what their thoughts are about playoff points. Literally straight up, are playoff points fair? See what they have to say. I like it.
Because, listen, this is the one thing we can agree on wholeheartedly. Go to our grave about it. Playoff points. They suck. All right, going to Phoenix. This is your first home race in Phoenix. How do you feel? I'm Danny, excited how do you about feel? it. <laughs> no, I'm I'm really excited about it. It's gonna be nice not having to travel to Phoenix, just to be able to sleep in my own bed, which it'll be nice. Uh, and I got some friends that are going down here, so um, Sarah going. It's gonna be a fun race. No, sad. Who's going? Henry is gonna go all three days. Then my buddy Kevin and Joey are going on Sunday. Sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, we would talk about this real quick. In a year from now, this, I think, maybe it might be this current weekend. We're going to be talking about Martinsville. We will be going into the championship race at Phoenix, yeah. So this, with, since it will be the same package, unfortunately, going to Phoenix next year, um, how this race plays out on Sunday will be a very strong indicator of how the championship race will play out in 2020. Do you agree or disagree? I can agree with that. It's going to be I think very similar conditions, very similar, probably the same contenders because they're going to be good again next year. We'll see who's the best under this press, playoff pressure going for a championship. Yeah, um, I think that's fair. One thing I think we'll argue about next week, that I went back to read some stories from the Spring Phoenix race on, with this package. Every single driver complained about how hard and impossible it was to pass, pass. a year ago yeah. in Spring in Phoenix. So I think that's yeah. going to be the storyline of this weekend that no one passes. It's going to be track position. Whoever qualifies well stays up front. I think unless they wreck and face some adversity, it's going to be pretty determinant about who's going to succeed on Sunday. Yeah. I, I remember the storyline, at least during the practice sessions at Phoenix earlier in the year, was how fast they went through the corners. Which so is I think a that bad was the first thing. No, you're right, but that was the that was the big thing. So we'll have to see how it works out this weekend. I'm excited to go down. Um, I'm so ready to already go back and get some more content. Got a, a very busy lineup on content. Friday, and yeah. And I'm going to be making more of those playoff videos. Get ready for Homestead Week because I'm going to make – it's going to be like a movie trailer or something like that. Getting everyone ready for Homestead. We're going to kick the GoPro back out again. That stabilizer. I'm a huge fan of it. So if you saw some of those shots in that Chase Briscoe video, that's where it's from. So, yeah. That's all I got. Sweet. Cool. Follow me on Twitter at HeyJasonSchultz, and we'll catch you after Phoenix. Yep, that's it. Um, and you can follow me nope, at no Andrew Curlin TV. No, sorry, I'm saying it. Andrew Curlin TV. Um, Step up your IG story game for the next couple races. Yeah, tell me what I need to do. Because I most of the time it's just like I'm running around and I just forget to you just take gotta my phone out and take, film something. When you shoot different videos like you're in the garage or something, just get just remember to get a vertical video with your phone so you can put it on an IG story. Oh, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's what just, you got to do. I got to do more frequent stuff you don't have so, to post it right in the moment you can go back like pretend it's during the race and you have time to sit back and post it no yeah that's what day. i do i will go when i see a wreck happen i'll run out to the garage that's how i got that great video of kislowski and um the 17 and the 17 was like smoking like i thought that fire smoking like there was gonna be a fire or something under the engine so what, was, that was, interesting. what was he smoking Smoking some of the grass. Whoa, no turf. Oh, he was smoking grass in the garage area. You heard it here first. Andrew <laughs> Curlin reporting at Ricky Stenhouse. That was pretty good. Thank you. <laughs> NASCAR's going to so, call Ricky now. Yeah, right. Um, 
All right, that's all we got. See you from Phoenix. Go PJ1. And um, that's about it. Thanks, everyone, for listening.